a lesson in truth from the Word of God that I want to get to you. Now, there are several people here. First of all, I should have done this before. You turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. We have some people here I want you to meet. Uh, and uh, I'm going to read a few verses from this wonderful chapter. Now, Solomon has just become king, and he's the third king over the people of God, the nation of Israel. There was first of all Saul, then David. Now David's son Solomon. Let's begin reading in verse 1. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh king of Egypt and took Pharaoh's daughter, brought her into the city of David until he'd made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built un, under the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon an altar. And in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or how to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes, and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, 
And behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all of his servants. Now I want to speak to you this morning on this wonderful thing that's found here in the Word of God. For the Lord came to a man and said to that man, You ask anything that you want of me, and whatever I ask, I'm going to give to you. Now just to make it short, I would say to you that Solomon did not ask for some things that might be in the hearts of a lot of people. He said to the Lord, the thing I want more than anything else in the world is wisdom. And God was pleased with what Solomon asked for. And the Lord said to Solomon, I'm not only going to give you this wisdom, by the way, I might say in parentheses, that if you read what immediately follows this that Solomon said he wanted, he said to God, I want wisdom. If you'd continue to read in this chapter, you'd see where two women came to Solomon immediately afterwards. They said both of us had a baby born to us the same night. One of the women lay on the baby and smothered it to death, and the other little baby was yet alive. But both women came, and, and one of them said, the baby that's dead is her baby, and the baby that's alive is my baby. And there was a, an argument between these two, two women about which baby died and which baby was still alive. Now Solomon did not know about these women and these two babies being born and one of them suffocated to death. But Solomon said, well, I'll tell you how we're going to settle this. You bring me uh, the living baby and bring me a sword and we'll divide this baby and we'll give half to you and half to this other mother. But one woman spoke up and said, oh, do not do that. Do the little living baby no harm. Do not take its life. And Solomon said, You are the mother of the living baby, and this baby shall belong to thee. So when God said, Solomon, what do you want? What do you want more than anything else in all the world? Solomon said, Now you've given me this great people. This great people. You see, the people of Israel were, as God had said, like the sands of the sea for multitude, and like the stars of the heavens for multitude, because they were both an earthly and a heavenly people. And God, God said to Solomon, what do you want? He'd become king, this young man. And he said, I want wisdom. And the Lord was pleased with that. And he gave Solomon this great wisdom. And I want to just suggest to you this morning that you think for a few minutes about what really happened here. The Lord came to a man and said, Now you can ask anything you want. And whatever you ask, I'm going to give it to you. And I've had to ask myself the question. You see, you have to make the Bible personal. You have to apply it to your heart. 
In, in this instance, you have to put yourself in Solomon's place and say, if the Lord were to come to me today and say to me, what one thing do you want? And what one thing is the greatest desire and longing of your heart and life? Whatever it is, I'll give it to you. What would you say to the Lord this Sunday of September 1985 if the Lord were to appear to you and say, you can have anything that you want, ask me one thing and I will give it thee. Now, I'll tell you why I'm saying you need to put yourself in Solomon's place and think very seriously for a few moments about what would you ask God if God said to you, I'll give you any one thing that you asked me for this morning. Now I'm saying that's significant and it's important because what you ask God would be an indication of what kind of a person you are. And what you ask God would have to be something that would please Him. And so I have had to reflect on this scripture uh, in thinking about preaching on it. Suppose the Lord were to come to me this morning at this period in this moment in my life and say, what one thing above everything else in the world would you have me to do for you today? Now, you know, Solomon did not ask for riches. I think there are many people, and you know, I'm not altogether critical about this. Like you might think that a preacher ought to be and people ought to be. But Solomon didn't ask for riches. Do you know that every one of us in this, in this room this morning, to a certain extent, you have to be about, uh, uh, concerned about material things. You have to put food in this mouth clothes, garments on this body, and a roof over your head. And everyone, the first thing is to learn how to live. But you also have to make a living. That's taught in the Bible. Uh, Paul said, if a man work not with his own hands, don't let him eat at the common table. A hard work and earning a living is honorable. And God does not despise that. But Solomon did not ask for riches. He did not ask for long life. And many a person, I think, thinks of these two things. I want to live as long as I possibly can. And I want to have something to enjoy while I'm living. And I say to you again, now when riches and material things become one's God, that is wrong. But a person does have to make a living. And I want to say to you, that's honorable, and it's suggested and taught in the Bible. The Bible says, if a man provide not for his own household, he is worse than an infidel. So that ought to be done by a Christian. And there's nothing in the world that brings dishonor to the name of the Lord any more than a Christian who does not pay his debts and meet squarely his material obligations 
So don't just frown completely on the matter of material things, but put them where God put them. Solomon did not ask for riches. He did not ask for long life. He said, I want wisdom to judge and to rule this people. Now there's so much I could say about it. God gave him more than he asked. The Lord said to Solomon, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you great fame and great honor. And um, Solomon not only had what he asked for, he got more than he asked for. That's an interesting thing. You know, the Bible said he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. So listen, when we ask God for something, we don't, do not want to think in a small way because He is a big God. And all the resources of the world belong to Him. So the Lord said, I'm pleased with you, Solomon, that you've asked of me wisdom to rule this people. So I'm going to give you that wisdom, but I'm going to give you great riches. And Solomon became the richest man that ever lived. I think I figured out some years ago, or tried to, it tells you how much gold came into the treasure, uh, Solomon's treasure. And I tried to figure out, and it seemed to me like $20 million came from one source in our current money. And he became the richest man in the world. And his kingdom became fabulous and glorious in a way. Until the queen of Sheba came. And she looked at his kingdom and she said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And she went away shaking her head and saying, The half has not been told. But what would you ask God for this morning if he said to you, you can have whatever you will. Now there is a sense in which this is true of all of us. You see, Jesus said, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now the fault is never with God. You know, I don't get everything I want from God. I never blame God. All of my prayers are not answered. I never blame God. The fault is not on, uh, on heaven's end. The fault is always down here where the petition originates and not where the petition goes. Never! But God gave Solomon this great wisdom and more. You know, Solomon was a great, great student of botany and of biology and of music and certainly of human nature as he proved with the two women. He wrote 3,000 proverbs. He wrote 1,500 songs. The Bible says that he had 3,000 proverbs. He wrote 1,500 songs. Most of us, including me, have never had sense enough to write one song, let alone 1,500 songs. So the Lord gave him this wisdom because he asked for something he knew he needed and he knew that God wanted him to have it. I read years ago about a Sunday school teacher's teaching the lesson about the blind man of Bartimaeus. She said to her little class of boys, uh, if, you, if you were the blind man, what would you ask the Lord for? 
One little boy had seen people, blind people, walking with a white cane. He said, if I were blind, I'd ask the Lord to give me a white cane so that people would know I was blind and not run over me and hurt me. Another little boy said, if I were a blind man, I'd ask the Lord to give me a, a beautiful dog that could lead me like the sea and I dogs lead blind people. And uh, she said to others, what would you ask? And one little boy said, if I were blind, I wouldn't ask God for a cane. I wouldn't ask God for seeing our dog. If I were blind, I'd ask God to restore my sight. And I believe that's what God wants, is for us to know that God is pleased and God is honored. God is never flattered, but God is honored when we ask largely of the Lord because He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He got what he asked for, and he got more than he asked for. You know, I when I study this in the Bible, I start thinking about other people in the Bible that uh, to whom the Lord said, now whatever you want, whatever you want, what do you want? Right now, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And there are several other people in the Lord, in the Bible that enjoyed this great privilege from the Lord. For instance, there was a, a, a farmer boy. I relate to farmer boys. I don't know when I read in the Bible, fellas, in the Bible it says a husbandman. When I was first saved, I thought that was talking about husband and wife, you know. Of course, you were a lot smarter than that when you got saved. But husbandman, see it says husband and man, husbandman. Wouldn't you think that meant a man who's a husband? Sure, I, I, really that was smart of me. But it doesn't mean that at all. Husband in the Bible means farmer, or vineyard keeper, or fruit raiser. And um, I relate to farmer boys. There was a farmer boy one time that was working in his field, and the Lord called him. You know, I thank God you never know who the Lord's going to call. He, he, he can reach out and call somebody that is the least, the least one anybody would ever expect. And the Lord said to Elisha, Elisha, I want you. And old Elisha's out there plowing in the field and the twelve yoke of oxen. There are twelve other fellows plowing in the field. But Elijah came along and um, it, uh, God's mantle was put on Elisha. And for ten years he followed Elijah. And when Elijah got ready to go home to heaven, he said to Elisha, Now, if, if you see me when I go, you can have anything you want. And I just, when I read that, I just can't wait to see what in the world is Elisha going to ask God for because God said to Elijah, Tell him he can have anything that he wants. And Elisha looked at Elijah and he said, When you leave this world, what I want more than anything else in the world is the power of God. And the Lord gave it to him. And when Elijah was taken up, the mantle of Elijah fell on Elisha. 
And he enjoyed the power of God as no other prophet in the whole Old Testament. You see, Elijah, Elisha has no book named after him like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and so forth. But he was the greatest miracle worker in all of the Old Testament. More miracles. Because he had the power of God. And he that's what he wanted. And that's what the Lord gave him. You know, uh, I wonder if you as a Christian ever asked the Lord, Lord, give me the power of God in my life. You know, it's important. You say, well, preacher, you're the one supposed to have the power of God. No, that is not true. Preachers are to have the power of God. But the same Bible that says to me, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, says the same thing to you. And every Christian needs the power of God. Christian, if you've never prayed, oh God, give me a supernatural power to be a Christian and to walk as a Christian and to do the work of God, you're missing something in your life. Elisha said, I want the power of God. I had the privilege years ago in London, England to go to the old Wesley Chapel. And boy, the pulpits in those days, yeah, altogether different than this. Uh, the pulpits uh, in those days, when Wesley went to the pulpit in the Wesley Chapel, of course he preached all over the world nearly, but he started in some little stairs and they wound around and around and they went way up there and way up there is the pulpit. I've often thought that'd be kind of nice. You could look out, you know, and you could see what people are putting in the offering. And you could just make a mental note of it. Oh, brother, so-and-so just put in uh, 50 cents. You don't like that, do you? No, I don't either, so we'll discard that. But anyway, get way up there in that pulpit. And Wesley had the power of God. And one day, there was a black preacher. It just happened to be a black preacher. Came and he said, I want to see where Wesley used to preach. This man that won so many thousands of the people to the Lord. I want to see where he preached. And so, as I did when I visited, he started climbing those stairs and circled around. And he got up in this big high pulpit and he stood and he bowed his head. And the tears began to roll down the preacher's face. And the preacher was heard to say, Oh Lord, do it again. In other words, he was saying, Lord, give me somewhat of the power that the man had who used to stand in this pulpit. And I'm speaking to people this morning who need the power of God to win your family and your loved ones to Christ. And till this good hour, you've never had it. You see, here's a man when God said, what do you want? He said, I want the power of God. I think of some other people in the Bible. You know, one day a woman was watching this man, Elisha, I just mentioned him. And she watched him walking up and down the roads. She lived at Shunem. And he was walking up and down the roads. And one day she said to her husband, I want you to listen to this. She said to her husband, I perceive that that man is a holy man of God. There's no reference in the Bible she'd ever spoken to him or Elisha had ever spoken to her. She just watched him walk. 
And don't ever tell me you can't see holiness and purity. She said, I just believe that that man is a holy man of God. And I think we ought to build a little room here on the side of the house. He comes up and down this way, this itinerant preacher. And when he, when he comes by here, he can go into this little room. And here's the beginning of what you and I have heard mentioned as the prophet's chamber. He, she said he can go in this little room. We'll put a table in it and a candle in it and a stool to sit on and a bed in it. And if I had the time, I'd preach. I would mention those four things. They meant all that a person needs is symbolized by those four things. The bed for rest, the stool for learning, the light for testimony, and so forth. She said, we'll furnish it that way. It'll be the prophet's chamber. And Elisha had a servant by the name of Gehazi. One day Elisha was reclining there on the bed, perhaps, and he's thinking about the wonderful thing this woman and her husband had done for him as a man of God. And he said to Gehazi, Go call the Shunammite woman. And the Shunammite woman came and stood in the door of this little new room, the prophet's chamber. And Elisha said to Gehazi, Ask her what she wants. I ask her what she will that God do unto her. I tell her that she can have anything she wants. And he said to the woman, Gehazi did, Elisha wants to know, What do you want? More than anything in the world. Now here is a barren woman. The Bible said she was barren and her husband was old. So it's hopeless to have children. And a woman stands there in the door. And a, a Gehazi is facing her. And Elisha is here in the room. And this woman says, in, not in these exact words, but she said, I want a miracle. I want a miracle. And uh, Elisha uh, learned, here's a woman, had no child and no human hope. There are two problems. She is barren. And the Bible makes the statement, her husband is old. And there was no human hope. She never had a child. But she said, I want a miracle. And Elisha said, about, about this time of life, he means... In the regular span, nine months from now, you will have a son. Here's a woman that dared to ask God for a miracle. You say, preacher, do you believe that God can still work miracles? Now, I will say this to you, and I think you'll find it true, that as the Bible became a completed book, miracles began to diminish. Now, wait a minute before you judge what I just said. If you don't believe that, then you do what men that work miracles did. You raise somebody from the dead, and then I'll say they've never diminished. But I want to tell you something. There's a God on His throne this morning who's never diminished, and not one promise has ever been changed, and God Himself has Never changed one bit in this world. I want to tell you, you're looking at somebody that many times and at this moment needs a miracle from God. Don't be afraid to ask God for a miracle. She said, I want a child. He said, you'll have it. Some beautiful things here. Time does not 
permit me to dwell on. It was a miraculous birth of her son. Then one day he was out in the field with his old father and the farm hands. And he said, my head's aching. And they rushed him to his mother and he sat upon his lap. And this woman looked at this boy that God had given her. Oh, how sad it is to give up a child. And I'll tell you, my heart has just bled for that Mr. and Mrs. Moore, the father of little Sean Moore, 13 years old, kidnapped a couple of weeks ago, evidently immediately uh, desecrated and then killed by a, a godless man. And I'll say this to you in passing. I never thought I'd even get to this subject on this subject, but I believe that man deserves to die if he's proven guilty. And I want to tell you one of the curses of this country is that we've departed from the Bible in our, in our law system. All the great systems of law in nations across the world in the history past have been based on what does the Bible say? And more governments have been, the, the law and the government have been founded on the Ten Commandments than any other writings in the whole universe. But you have these people now, they say, why it isn't right to kill anybody. No, I'm not talking about me killing you or you killing me. I'm talking about the authority God gave to governments. And if a man shed blood, uh, his blood is to be shed. And the Bible teaches capital punishment. But along comes some, some uh, wild-eyed Ph.D., educated way beyond his intelligence, and he takes a bunch of statistics from a few years back, and he, he manipulates these statistics, and he comes up with the, with the theory that capital punishment has never deterred crime. That's stupid. Somebody asked me one time, you believe capital punishment will deter crime? I said, I know one thing, the man you put in the electric chair will never commit any more crime. That's what God says. Say, well, you don't love people. Yes, I do. I love little 13-year-old boys, for one thing. And I think until this country wakes up and gets back to doing things away, as far as the law system is concerned, basing it upon thus saith the Lord. We're going to have crime and this country is going to come a battlefield of anarchy if the Lord tarries long enough. Now, let me see now if I remember where I was before I got on that. Oh yes, the little boy died. Sitting on her, his mother's lap, she looked at him and said, Oh, he's dead. He's dead. And she didn't ask anybody. She just said to the servants, uh, get me a donkey. And she got on that donkey and she rode to Mount Carmel and she said to, to Elisha, my little boy is dead. And she fell at his feet. And old Gehazi, I, I preached a sermon on him once. You know, he didn't, human suffering never touched him. And listen, if it doesn't touch you, you need another dip. And you need to come to the altar. If human suffering, if you can't weep to those that weep, it's because there's something missing in your life. And old Gehazi tried to snatch her away. And Elisha said, let her alone. 
said, what's wrong? She said, my boy's dead. And eventually Elisha goes and goes into that, uh, into the upper chamber, the little boy's room, and stretches himself on him, and the little boy's brought back to life again. Here's a woman said, I want a son. And I'm saying that to say this sometimes. God will give you what you want, but it doesn't mean down the road there might not be some sorrow and some tears. And this little boy not only had a miraculous birth, but he's raised from the dead. And who does that remind you of? Our Lord who was virgin born without a man in it and who arose from the grave and conquered death. Wonderful story. But she said, I have a mother's heart, but my arms are empty. You know, the Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord. Brother Howard, you and Maggie are doing well in this. Uh, one time my friend Dr. Lakin said to a fellow that had six, seven children, said, now the Lord said replenish the earth. But he didn't tell you to do uh, replenish the whole world by yourself. Isn't that funny? Somebody sitting over there looking at me cross-eyed like this. God gave her what she asked for. A miracle. I know some people need a miracle of healing. Say, preacher, do you believe in divine healers? Not one bit in the world. I believe the biggest phonies that ever walked across the face of the earth. But I believe God can heal anybody. And I stand here this morning and I'll testify to it as long as God puts a breath in my body that one time I had to have the miracle of healing when doctors, nurses, medicine, rest, therapists, the finest, uh, most trained, well-trained people in the world could not get this voice back, but one day God gave it back. Yes, I believe in miracles. Oh, listen, there may be more people than you ever dreamed this morning that sit in this service and say, Oh, I wish the Lord would do a miracle for me. One day, a king said to a man by the name of Nehemiah, You can have whatever you want. Nehemiah said, I want to build the walls of Jerusalem. He was way down in, in the land of uh, Persia, Shinar, and way down there, a thousand miles away from home. But his, his city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, and the walls leveled to the ground, and the people taken captivity, and the temple turned upside down and destroyed. And Nehemiah's a Jew. And Nehemiah said, you, you ask me what I want. I want to go back and rebuild my city. I want to build something. And listen, you know, wouldn't it be a, th a wonderful thing? I was thinking about it and I was going over uh, what I'm preaching this morning. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if everybody in this church this morning said, I want to help build this church. You'd see these aisles full of people. Every time there was a service, if everybody in this room this morning would come to the place where they say, I want to help build my church so that I can reach people and bring them into the house of God. I must hurry. My time is going quickly. There was a, a, a beauty queen by the name of Esther. She really was declared to be the most beautiful woman in, in the world. She actually was Miss Universe uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And King Ahasuerus uh, put on this contest to claim for himself 
the most beautiful woman in the world for his wife. And she was a Jew, and her uncle Mordecai was a Jew, and they're in the heathen land. And one day, you know, you were not supposed to come into the audience of the king unless he held out, the Persian monarch held out the golden scepter towards you. Then when he did that, you'd come up and talk to him. And I, I want to thank God that there's one at the throne that's held the, pointed the golden scepter toward every one of us. And you can come any time and get an audience for the king. But uh, one day he said to her, what is thy request? She said, I want my people saved. They're killing the Jews. And they've sent out a decree and put your seal to it to kill all the Jews in the whole world. And she said this, how can I endure to see uh, my people destroyed? How can I see my people killed and destroyed? She said, I want my people saved. Wouldn't that be a wonderful request to ask of the Lord? I want my people saved. I want my loved ones who are lost to come to know the Lord. I saw just this past week in a service down in Ohio, I saw literally scores of people in the big gymnasium where we were having a conference. I saw little scores of people come and they knelt down and they were weeping. You know what the invitation was? If you have a loved one that's lost, you want to see that loved one saved, why don't you just come down here and just turn it all over to God and ask the Lord to give you the grace and power and love and tears and whatever it takes to win your loved ones. And I saw business people and professional people and housewives and working men. I saw them come and kneel and they were weeping and there were tears all across well, that end of that gymnasium. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? You know what would happen? You'd have a revival. And God would bless in a marvelous way if people could just come to the place. Oh, I don't want my loved ones to go to hell. I want my loved ones to be saved before it's too late. I, I'm, I close with this. You know, one day a man said to a woman, you can have anything you want. This is old um, Herod who said uh, to a woman named Herodias, she had been the wife of Herod's brother Philip, but Herod had taken her from his own brother to be his wife. And old John the Baptist said, not lawful if you do that. And one day her daughter did a dance. And the old wicked carnal king was so pleased with the dance of the young girl that he said, uh, he said, you can have anything you want. And her wicked mother came and whispered, said, Tell him you want the head of John the Baptist. You want to get that preacher to shut his mouth and quit talking about sin. And old Herod had made the promise and he sent and got the head of John the Baptist. You know, some people even ask God for a wicked thing. And you know, when you come to ask the Lord for something, you want to think about, is this something that would please the Lord? Christian can ask what he will. Jesus said, have faith in God and it shall be done unto you. He shall have whatsoever he saith, the Lord says. I wonder this morning, what is it you want? What is it you want? Right now, in this heart, 
and life and mind. What is it I want from God more than anything else in the world? And if he were to say to me this morning, you can have whatever you ask, what would I ask God? And whatever you ask him would be an indication of what your spiritual life is like. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we're challenged by what we read because our lives are needy. And we're always, always have some desire that's not been fulfilled, some prayer that's not been answered. Always. Lord, I know that I've known you as my Savior for 50 years. And from day one to this day, I've always had some prayer in my life that had not yet been answered. Yet, Lord, we feel we're standing over us today for thou art here and you're saying whatever you want. What is your desire? And I'll give it to you. Oh, God, with hearts searched, we come to a decision as to what we would ask you this morning. Bless these precious people. And may they ask of the Lord that which they need more than anything in the world. Salvation of a loved one, healing of a body, solution to a problem, the meeting of a need, whatever it is. Lord, doubt us know. Lord, I want to thank you this morning. You've been so good, so wonderful. You've never failed us. Lord, you've never failed me. We've come short many, many times. You never have. I love you this morning because of who you are and what you've done. You've kept my poor soul out of hell and you, you've, you've given me the promise of a home in heaven. And I love you. Now bless your word to these people today and may a work of God be done in our lives this morning for Jesus' sake. Amen.